And let me think about, of course, uh, Good Friday prior to that. Um, the week prior to Easter is known as Palm Sunday. That's where we are today in the calendar year. And on Palm Sunday, Jesus entered Jerusalem and he went immediately to the temple. And it says he looked around and he left. And so when Jesus arrived at the temple, he saw a crowd of people. It was Passover and the people were there uh, for, for religious purposes. There was, there was crowds and there was busyness and there was activity and there was religion. But something was missing. Worship was missing. And so as we gather here this Palm Sunday, understand that the Lord is looking and the Lord sees. The Lord knows. And just because we are present physically and just because we may be going through some ritualistic motions doesn't mean the Lord is automatically pleased with that. For he passed judgment on the temple that following day. And I pray when he looks upon his church, looks upon this church, he finds true worshipers here and so part of that is opening our hearts up to his word and allowing God to speak to us and then obeying his word and so with that being said today let me invite you open your Bible with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 we're continuing our series through this chapter dealing with the resurrection 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 35 through 49 now back in uh, the fall Planet Fitness opened up here in Winchester. And I know many of you all uh, got uh, memberships to that. I see a lot of you all there and heard of you all, a lot of you all talking about that. And, and uh, I, I thought at some point maybe we should title it Planet Ephesus uh, because there's so many of us there and maybe get T-shirts made with a cool logo on it and things, you know. But there are several reasons a person would want to exercise. Of course, health and wellness uh, just to uh, improve your health. Perhaps you've had health problems and you want to recover, or, or maybe it's preventative. You would like to maintain your health, uh, just improved appearance and improved confidence. Those, these are all good reasons to exercise. In fact, I believe exercise is a matter of stewardship. You know, God has given you a physical body, and, and the Bible says as Christians, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so it's only appropriate that we should be good stewards and maintain what God has given us and, and seek to be uh, faithful in that. But no matter how hard you exercise, or no matter how often you may try to exercise and be in shape, eventually we age and the body breaks down. Uh, eventually we become weak and eventually uh, we know the curse of sin takes over and it brings death with it. Now, as we've been looking at this series uh, entitled Awaken, based on 1 Corinthians 15, we've talked about the reality and the power of the resurrection of Christ and how Christ's resurrection provides for us life, new life. It provides for us revival and uh, a renewed uh, joy, a renewed focus in worshiping Him and following Him. But also the resurrection of Christ guarantees for us as Christians our own physical resurrection. Paul's been dealing with that in this chapter. He's been arguing for that in this chapter. And we come to this section here before us today and Paul would tell us never doubt God's ability to physically raise the dead in Christ. Never doubt the ability of God to do what God says he will do because folks he is able to raise you from the dead and he is willing to raise you 
from the dead. Would you stand with me as we read from God's holy word this morning? I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 35. The Apostle Paul writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But someone will say, How are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men and another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds and another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to gather and worship. And Father, thank you for this moment in time which you allow us, Father, to open the Scriptures that we might read your Word. God, that you might speak truth and power into us. Father, help us better understand this this text of Scripture. Father, help us then by your grace to, to apply this, to, to live it out. Lord, there is something you want us to know, and there is something you want us to do. So, Father, I pray by the power of the Spirit you would enlighten our minds, and, Father, that you would empower our, our lives. And uh, as we have come to your word, we pray, Lord, by your grace, if there be anyone here within the sound of my voice that does not know Christ Jesus in a saving way, we pray today would be the, sal the, the day of salvation. Father, it happens only by your grace, and it is solely for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may have a seat. As we've been going through this chapter of the Bible, we have seen, first of all, the necessity of the resurrection. Paul says it's part of the gospel message. We preach that Jesus died and that Jesus was raised. And without preaching that, there is no good news, there's no gospel, there's no salvation apart from that. So the necessity of the resurrection, the validity of the resurrection, Paul speaks about the witnesses, over 500 that saw him at one time. But also we talked about the consequences of denial. If we deny that, G, that, we deny that man can be raised and will be raised, if we deny our resurrection, then we say there's no way that Christ was raised. And if Christ was not raised, Paul says, we're still dead in our sins. So there's negative consequences for the denial of our bodily resurrection. 
Then Paul gave us uh, some promises from God, God's, God's blueprints for the future, and how believing in that and trusting in that will impact the way we live today, knowing that God has a future for us. Now today, Paul is dealing with some practical questions. Anytime you, you speak about someone being raised from the dead, we, we automatically wonder, what does that look like? If we're not careful, our minds will go towards something like the walking dead and zombies. And we say somebody's dead, brought back to life. Oh, that's gross. It's disgusting. What does this look like? And Paul is dealing with some of these practical questions that people may raise. In fact, often do. The first thing in, in answering these questions Paul wants us to see is that bodily transformation is evidenced. It's evidence. Paul gives several natural examples of how bodies can be and are transformed from one thing into something better. And first of all, he's dealing with the determination of skeptics. In verse 35, he says, But someone will say, How were the dead raised? In other words, is God able to do this? And with what kind of body do they come? What will we look like when we are raised? We might say these are, are valid questions, right? And we've always been taught there is no such thing as a bad question. The only bad question is the one that's not asked. We've been taught that. But then Paul immediately answers these questions with, you fool. It's almost as if Paul's saying, yes, there is such a thing as dumb questions, and you just asked some dumb questions. Now, it's not that Paul is saying we're foolish for wondering these things. But he's dealing with those whose intentions in asking these questions are not legit. It's one thing to ask a question to, to sincerely desire an answer. But Paul is dealing with those who are asking these questions in such a way they're they trying to insult those who actually believe these things. And that's why Paul says, you fool for doubting that God is even able to accomplish this. And so he gives some examples from creation of different types of bodies that God has made and how even in that God can make variations. And the first thing he shows us is the decomposition of seeds. He mentions grain. And the concept to understand there is there is no growing without sowing. Something must be sowed first in order, in order, order for the, the finalized form to, to grow and to become what it is intended to be. In order for that to, hap to happen, first of all, he says that there, these seeds are changed after death. In verse 36, at the end, he says, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies first. And that which you sow, that what you put in the ground, it's not the final form yet, but it's just a bare grain perhaps of wheat or something else. And so he's given us a little bit of an agricultural principle here. I am not a farmer. I don't even pretend to be one on television. But I do know if you want to grow something, you've got to start with a seed, right? You've got to put something in the ground. You've got to bury something in the ground. And when you bury it in the ground, only then does it have the opportunity to grow and to sprout and blossom and become what the seed was intended to be. Paul is using that same analogy for our bodies. Your current body is like that seed, like that kernel. It is not yet all that it will be. And can I get an amen on that? Your body is not all right now that it ever will be. Praise God. 
It's just like that seed is going to get planted and eventually it's planted and then it will grow and become something else. We are changed after death. Jesus even mentions the same thing about himself in John chapter 12. In verse 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. In order for Christ to save us, he had to die first and then be raised. And so too we will be like those seeds, changed after death, but also we are changed by design. Verse 38, But God gives it a body. God is the one who does this just as he wished. God intended for that seed not to remain a seed, but God intended for that seed to sprout and become a tomato plant or become an oak tree or whatever kind of seed you have. God intends for that seed not to be the final form. God has a plan and a purpose after death, after the planting and the sowing for the growing God is the one responsible for this. And he says to each seed a body of its own. There are various kinds of seeds. And whatever that seed is, that's what it grows into. You can't plant an oak seed, an acorn, and expect to grow an apple tree. It just won't change into something completely different. It will remain the same thing, but it will be transformed and it will grow and become what it was intended to be something more glorious something Jesus says that bears fruit in the end and that's how you and I are called to be we are changed after death we will be changed by God's design then he talks about the differentiation of species in verse 39 there are are multiple bodies that have been created by God God is so powerful and creative that not every body of thing that's ever been created is exactly the same There are are variations and differences. Verse 39, he says, All flesh is not the same, but God has created the flesh of men, the flesh of beasts, the flesh of birds, the flesh of fish, that we have a, a creative God and a powerful God who's able to create many different forms of bodies. God is not limited to creating one body type. He has the ability to have differentiation. But also he speaks about the distinction of stars in verses 40 and 41. Even the same type of bodies have variations within them. Speaking of the stars and what God has made, he speaks about unique places in verse 40. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. We might say terrestrial and celestial bodies. In all that God has made, He has made things on earth and He has made things in space. And Paul says all of these things that God has made have different forms. And then he says, the glory of the heavenly is one, the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, one glory of the moon, one glory of the stars, and star differs from star in glory. So he speaks about unique purposes. The reason why God has made these things different because each thing has a different purpose. Plant life has one purpose. Celestial bodies in outer space have another purpose. Everything that God has created is for a reason. It's for His glory and to achieve a purpose. And then He speaks about stars. Even one star differs from another. Each star is unique. Each star is individual. 
And that's good news for you and I because there are some that believe that, that when you die, your, your spirit and your body are separated and never will ever be reunited again. That your physical body now is, will be useless. And that when your spirit, when you die, your spirit goes into heaven and, and kind of just melts into this existence where it ceases to exist. And you are no longer an individual. You are just morphed into something different but the Bible doesn't talk about that you do not lose your personhood you do not lose your individuality you will be changed but you will always be the same you and God loves you and God intends for you to be that way God has a purpose for each of us even though we are different and even though we are all distinct God has made us that way for a reason, God appreciates and enjoys our individuality. And we are different for a reason. The Bible speaks about mankind being created in the image of God. And one of the ways that we see that is through creativity, through inventions, how God created all things out of nothing. And then we take what God has created and we make stuff out of that and it's it's amazing it's it's really cool to see what man is able to accomplish and how inventions are always being made back in 1899 the uh, commissioner of the US patent office a man named Charles Duell was rumored to have said this everything that can be invented has been invented this was in 1899 could you imagine that man were to be in our world today and see all that has been invented since then? <laughs> I wonder what he would think of, of smartphones and the technology that is around. And so while man is amazingly able to create and to make and invent, ultimately man is limited. We are unable to bring life out of something where there is no life. To create something out of nothing, we've got to start with ingredients. We are unable to bring something alive that is not alive. But we see God is not limited. He's not limited in His creativity to make things. Paul has spoken about all the things in creation that God has given different bodies and not only that, but Paul talks about God's ability to take something and make it more glorious. While it remains the same thing, it's gloriously transformed to achieve a higher purpose and a final purpose. And Paul shows that bodily transformation is evidenced in creation. And therefore, we should never doubt God's power and ability to do that with our bodies also, as he did with Christ's. Which leads to the second point here. Bodily transformation is expected. Jesus has paved the way for us because Christ was raised in bodily form. So too you and I will be raised in bodily form. And because of that, we have an eternal physical improvement. We've spoken about the fact already that our bodies are not yet everything they will be. And there's going to be a total body makeover. Hence the name and the title of this sermon. Paul speaks about that in verse 42 and following. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Just like all of these differences of bodies that God has created, so too, like the seed that's buried, 
sprouts and grows into something magnificent, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown a perishable body. We know our bodies are perishable. We have expiration dates. Eventually, at some point in time, unless Christ returns first, at some point in time, our bodies will expire. We are sown a perishable body, yet we are raised an imperishable body, never to die again. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. Our bodies are weak. Even the strongest of the strongest bodies are weak in comparison to God. Weak in ability, breaking down, dying, decaying, but yet raised in power. And the reason why we are perishable, the reason why our bodies have dishonor, and the reason why they have weakness is because we are sown a natural body. A body that you have now. Natural body. Yet, it will be raised a spiritual body. Not in the sense of we no longer have a material form. A spiritual body means something that is still a body physically, but it is no longer no longer a natural body, limited and cursed by the things our bodies are limited and cursed by now. There will be a glorious transformation of our bodies. The natural body, what you have now. The spiritual body, what is yet to come. And then Paul shows us in his next argument the reason for this physical improvement, the reason for this resurrection body that we have to look forward to is because of the eternal physical imprint. You are forever bearing a resemblance. First of all, Paul talks about the first Adam. As God created Adam, the, uh, the first human being, became a living soul, Paul speaks about the fact that we are corrupted by the first Adam. We are corrupted. Everyone is made in Adam's image. As we are created human beings, our original ancestors, the prototype for your natural body is Adam and Eve. And because Adam and Eve sinned against God, they brought the curse of sin and suffering and death into all creation, including our physical bodies. Paul says, So also is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit, speaking of Christ. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural is first. That's where we are now. Then the spiritual. Think about Christ when He came. He came in, in human form. He came with a natural body first. And then after He died, He was raised with a spiritual body, a transformed, glorious body. The natural body was first then the spiritual body of Christ. So too, it is the case for you and I. Paul says in verse 48, As is the earthy, like Adam, so also are those who are earthy, that's us now, corrupted by sin and rebellion and, and limited by the effects of sin. The Bible talks about how sin has affected us spiritually separated from a relationship with God 
how sin has also corrupted us physically and brought pain and suffering and even death into this world. God's original intention. As we think about what God created mankind for and what God created mankind to be, God created Adam from the dust of the earth and he gave him a physical body and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So God's intention is for mankind to have a physical body that houses an eternal soul. The problem is when Adam and Eve rebelled against God and they brought curse, uh, the curse of sin into the world, they brought physical death that mirrors spiritual death. And so for those who believe that when man dies, his soul is separated from his body, never to be reunited again, what we are saying is that God's original plan was flawed. And God is unable to correct man's mistake. You see, God created mankind to have a body, a physical body, Paul speaks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that, that when we die, uh, we're absent from your body is to be present with the Lord. And that's good news. And he says, but we don't desire to be unclothed. There is something against God's original design for body and soul to be separated. God's plan is to reunite those things. But how can God do that? It's because even though we were corrupted by the first Adam, we are corrected by the last Adam. That when Christ came, He came to reverse that curse that not only affected us spiritually and emotionally, but also the curse that corrupted us physically. As Paul talks about this, the, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And how the first was the natural and then the spiritual. And think about Christ and we think about His work of redemption and God's plan to redeem mankind and God's plan to redeem all of creation. Even the physical aspects of our creation, our, our bodily forms, God sent Christ to redeem that. Why? Because Christ came in the flesh. The Word became flesh. We think about the incarnation. Why the incarnation? Because God's plan was to redeem us also physically. How did God do that? How was this, the, the curse reversed? How was corruption corrected? It was through the incarnation of Christ that Jesus came in bodily form. It was through the crucifixion of Christ that Jesus died on the cross for your sin that separated you from God and the effects of that sin, including physical death. The incarnation, the crucifixion, and ultimately the resurrection through the bodily form of Jesus being raised. God demonstrated He was satisfied with the offering Christ made for your sin. And through Jesus being raised, He became the prototype. As we are in Adam, earthy, so too all of us in Christ will be raised spiritual, just like Jesus. And that comes through spiritual union by faith with Christ. Jesus, the prototype for all Christians. Paul speaks about this Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory 
by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. As Christ was raised, so too you will be. And as his body was the same, he was the same Jesus, and he was always recognized when he revealed himself to his disciples. So too you and I will be raised, and it, you will be the same you. And it will be the same essence, the same physical body you have, although it would be radically different. Just like Jesus in his resurrection. God's goal is to restore fallen creation. And in order to do that, it must include restoring our physical bodies. So we think about the question, how are the dead raised? What kind of bodies are we looking at? Are we talking about? Never doubt God's ability to physically raise the dead in Christ. The physical resurrection happens, but in order to be conformed to the image of Christ, it takes spiritual union with Him first. That means you have got to be willing to acknowledge your sin, your personal rebellion against God. You've got to be willing to acknowledge that and confess that to God. You've got to be willing to, to understand and accept the sacrifice of Christ on your behalf. That when He went to the cross and He, and he suffered the shame and He suffered the humiliation and He suffered the physical beatings and as He Himself was cut off from a relationship with His Father, as He did that, He did that for you, not because of Himself, not because of any sin that He had. He did that in your place. The atonement that he made was a substitutionary atonement. He did that for you. You deserved it. He took it so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have a relationship with the Father, so that you too could and will be raised in glorified form. You know, it's always funny to look at old pictures you know, as you, as you look at old pictures, some of us have not changed at all. Others of us have been radically transformed already. <laughs> if you've never seen my senior picture, I had a mullet. You know, you've got to think, you know, golly, this was, what, 25, 26 years ago. I mean, mullets were popular then, you know, Billy Ray Cyrus and, and all that stuff. And, and, and Nancy always makes fun of my mullet when she looks at my senior pictures. And I say, hey, honey, look through the rest of the guys in there, too. She said, nobody else had a mullet. I said, look, mullet, 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 mullet right there. You know, wannabe mullet, you know. Yeah. Some of us have been radically transformed already. Some for the better, maybe some for the worse. But as our bodies are changing and our, and our looks and our appearances are different, we can go back and look and see this transformation. I can't help but think there's going to come a day because of the doctrine of the resurrection that we will be able to look back and say, I cannot believe I used to live that way. I cannot believe I actually survived looking like that and feeling like that. There is going to come a day because of the doctrine of the resurrection of Christ, because of the reality of the body resurrection of Jesus, there is coming a day physically that you will exist but there will be no more allergies there will be no more asthma there will be no more 
migraines. There will be no more flu. Can I get an amen on that? There will be no more dementia. There will be no more Alzheimer's. There will be no more heart disease. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more death. You and I will exist in a bodily form without that suffering. Why? Because the curse of sin has been broken because of the love, because of the sacrifice of God Almighty in Christ Jesus His Son. Folks, if you get nothing else out of this sermon, the bodily resurrection, God is able and grace is abundant. God is able. We see the evidence of that in all creation. God is able to create different forms of bodies and God is even able to take one body form and radically change it, the same body, but radically change just like a seed into a full-grown mature plant. God is able don't ever doubt God has the power. People say, what about bodies that have been cremated? What about bodies that have been dead for so long and already decomposed? How's God going to do God, God can create everything out of nothing. And who's to say God can't piece molecules and atoms back together and regenerate a physical form? God was able to take dust and make Adam. How is God unable to resurrect your body in whatever form it may currently or end up being? God is able is God willing? Look at the body of the resurrection of Christ. God says, I am not only able, I am willing. My grace is sufficient. Look to my son. He did that for you. He lived a sinless life for you in your place. He died a substitutionary death for you in your place. He was raised on the third day in glorified bodily form for you. Jesus is our prototype. The last Adam. If you are in Christ... Everything he did, he's done for you. And everything that he has achieved, he did that in your place by his grace. So we think about the resurrection and what Christ has done. Christ causes continuity. It's the same you. You will always be you. God created you for a reason because God loves you and God desires a relationship with you. You will always be you. You will never cease to be you. You will always be you. God, through Christ, has created continuity, but also by God's grace, hallelujah, God brings change. The physical reality of the world we live in, our bodies will be radically transformed. All of nature, all of creation will be radically transformed. And all of creation right now is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Adam's sin plunged all of creation into this curse, negative effects, this catastrophe of sin. Christ, the second Adam, has come to undo that. Praise God. He is able. Praise God that He is willing. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we...